A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. Here are your hosts, Dan Hansen and Betsy Thompson. And good morning, everybody. And good morning, Betsy. How are you doing? Good morning, Dan. I'm okay. How are you? Well, I'm actually doing all right. I've had a pretty decent week, although I did learn something very interesting and a little disturbing. Okay. I wore a face mask for the first time the other day, you know, just testing it out, Mm -hmm. seeing how this is going to work. And you know what I learned? There's a great big um, Achilles heel to this whole thing. Okay. I need breath mints. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I offended myself. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I need gum or a, a lozenge of some sort that's minty. And <laughs> really, I thought, wow. you know, I think I've got more risk of making myself ill by wearing a mask than by not because it was uh-huh. stomach churning. <laughs> that bad, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it was a fluke and not the normal par for the course for me but i don't know all i could think of it yeah there was a little kid that i remember played on one of my son's little league teams Uh and one one day somebody hit a pop-up somewhere and somebody made a diving catch and that kid yelled out holy halitosis i thought that's what i thought when i breathed in deep of my masked face (laughs) holy halitosis batman what is going on Uh get that boy a lozenge Uh Anyway, right. what do we got going this week? Um, this week, we are actually going to be talking to David Pop from Rose Pest Solutions. And he has some very interesting things to talk about, especially if you've listened to the news, you know, other than the stuff that we know of, the pandemic stuff. If you've listened to it, you probably have heard about these murderer wasps that you know, like came from Japan or something. Yeah. And they're really horrible if, you know, they end up spreading. Great. And so he's going to tell us everything that we need to know, you know, because they are in the pest business. So they can tell us the truth Great. about these horrible creatures. <laughs> truth about the murder hornets. The year just keeps getting better. Yes, it We're does. also, <laughs> on, a, on a happier note, uh-huh. we're going to talk about organizing your garage. And it's it's pretty sad when organizing your garage as a topic is a happier note, because normally organizing the garage is not everybody's favorite thing. Yeah. But compared to everything else going on, it's like a walk in the park. But right now, Betsy, let's play a segment that you and I recorded a while back about an article that I read that I found kind of hilarious but in a way, kind of scary. Yeah, I and, was completely stunned. Yeah, it's called Generation H. Helpless. Generation Helpless. I didn't know there was a Generation H, I guess. I, I don't know if they're being funny or not. There's Preparation H, but that's different. <laughs> that's a whole different ball game. Not even close to what we're talking about here. But uh, Preparation H. No, no, no. Generation H. <laughs> we're gonna anyway, it's an article from... Let's hear. We're... I guess I found it on a website called studyfinds.org, and it's from the United Kingdom. Yes, from Sheffield. So that doesn't necessarily mean that this is happening here. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's not. Yeah. And anyway, they took a survey of 2,000 young British adults and found that many of them still need assistance with the simplest of tasks, including changing a light bulb. 
Yeah. Changing a light bulb. This is not a joke survey. They said that some of these people were saying that they were so terrified to change this light bulb that they would leave it for like three weeks or they would go they find left, someone to help them. They left a dead bulb in there yeah. for three weeks. Yeah. The Well, then they have a whole list of things that, that they don't like to do. Right. That they can't accomplish alone, like draining a radiator, painting, tightening a loose cabinet door, fixing a loose screw. Are you kidding me? Right. And putting up wallpaper, which that one, I talked to somebody else about this when you sent me this article. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that you can include that one in the survey because I think that's not fair. Because Why? Putting up wallpaper is difficult. <laughs> it is not easy. It's it's not even the same realm as, as tightening a loose it. screw. Right. So <laughs> I I would take that one out. But yeah, the you can't fix a loose cabinet door or you well, can't the, tighten a screw. Come and, on. And right, this is a survey. It, it's not a survey of their parents saying, no. "Hey, what do you think your kid can do?" Right. It's this is the kid. Yeah, they are you know, asking how do you think these they young did adults. It? You think they put them in a room and. You know, you've got no. all these different things. Can you even do any of them? I think they give them, well, maybe it was like an internet survey. They put it out there and here, Man, can you do I these things? I hope there's a lot of joking involved with this. But yeah. sadly, I kind of think that some of this at least is true. It goes on to say that uh, 25% of the surveyed participants would call themselves, less than 25% would call themselves good at DIY skills. Those were the ones that could tighten the yeah, screws. Yeah, the scary thing is 13% of those kids said that they just flat out were no good at any of this. Their you know maintenance skills were very poor. Right. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> and so what they end up doing, according to the survey, and all the information here, they hire yeah. a lot of the work out. Yeah. So a lot of them will pay. I think they said the average was about four hundred and ten dollars a year. Yeah. In, in repair type right. bills. Right. And they're just getting started. They're probably renting something. Yeah. Wait till they right. own something because four hundred and nine dollars oh. in hiring the workout right. is minimal. Like when you need your toilet plunged <laughs> and you call a plumber. Yeah. There, <laughs> there you go. There's your four hundred dollars for the year. Right. So. The, they're going to get an incredible eye-opening. Yeah, when they actually... When the bills really start piling up, as they will. Oh, yeah. Well, my favorite part of this whole thing, it says, so who do most young adults look to for help? You guessed it, dear old dad. 40% of these kids yeah. look to their dad for help. 16% ask their mother or a brother for help first. Right. Holy it is cow. really something. And the reason it's so interesting to talk about is because so much of this stuff can be avoided. Yeah. You know, home repair stuff is all within our reach. Right. We just need to take some time. And, you know, as parents, mm-hmm. you know, for me looking at my kids, right. my job is to get them up to speed. Yeah. And to, you know, hold them to the, the fire a little bit and get them involved, get them seeing that this is fun. Even just the simple things. I mean, you've talked before about how your middle daughter, she was plunging a toilet once, you know. Tessa, yes. Yeah, she did a great Needs job. Needs must. <laughs> exactly. And she didn't have to call somebody. I mean, she called you to ask how to do it, but she didn't have you come home and do it. She had it done before you yeah. got home. And thanks to technology, she sent me photographs. <laughs> of the process. <laughs> Fortunately, it was right. just a paper problem. But right. but yeah, she knew how to get the answer and right. she didn't wait for me to come home and do it. Right. Again, needs must. Yes. She had to take care of it at that point. Right. And it's doable. Mm-hmm. And what's really funny is after she did that, that yeah. was Tessa, 
I think it was two weeks later we had her on the show. Yeah. Because she did a come to work with dad day. Yep. And we had her using a router on a table doing all kinds of work with tools. Yeah. And honestly, her confidence came mm-hmm. from plunging the toilet. As yeah. dumb as that sounds, it was her taking a job yep. that she'd never thought she'd ever right. really do. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is nothing. And then the next one, when I said, want to use the router, mm-hmm. she she, she right. wanted to dig into it. She was still nervous. Right. We still had to walk her through all of that. But it's doable. Yeah. So parents, get out there and, and keep encouraging your kids. Kids, this is all doable. I mean, look yeah. at all the things that kids know how to do. Well, My kids can do a million things. They're attached to technology. They're attached to YouTube. YouTube will tell you how to tighten a screw YouTube will tell you how to take out a light bulb and change it. I mean... Okay, the screw thing, we can solve that now. You you, you (laughs) get get a a screwdriver that matches the... The the, the pattern. ...pattern on the screw. (laughs) Yes. And you got two ways to turn it. Yeah. If it falls out... (laughs) It was the wrong one. That was the wrong one. Put it back in and do the other way. Lefty loosey, righty tighty. (laughs) There you go. That's how you remember that. And, you know, we're coming up on graduation season here very shortly. Mm -hmm. And parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends will be looking for graduation gifts. I tell you what, that's what I got for graduation gift from my uncle. A set of tools, you know, screwdrivers and uh, pliers, things like that. Just all the things. And then I went to college. And let me tell you, I was the most popular person in my dorm because everybody needed my tools. Maybe (laughs) that's what I should have done. Maybe that would have helped me with my popularity problem. <laughs> Maybe. I had the opposite problem. The teachers had my you name on a list tools. and they still didn't know who I was. <laughs> yeah, We've all been there. But there's so many things we can do. I, yeah. I, we got to head this off. you know. And I'm not saying that every situation is that bad. I think that right. is an incredibly, I hope that's I hope just it's a, not a, the truth. really a stretched article. Yeah, I hope so. But. I have seen things where, where people just feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I did the same thing. I For me, it was car stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Car stuff just seemed like the bridge too far. Mm-hmm. I could never understand car stuff. And there's right. a lot that I can't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's very specialized. Right. But there's certain things that, again, necessity drove me. I could not pay to right. have somebody do some of right. these simpler things. I had to figure out a way. YouTube is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it's great for troubleshooting. Yeah. I did that with the dryer at home. I didn't know what to fix for mm-hmm. the squeaky dryer. Yeah. Yeah. But I typed in what the dryer sounded like. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was the the modern version of those old jokes on old sitcoms <laughs> where you would watch and the guy would say, well, what's your car doing? Well, it's going right. go, 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 go. Right. I basically typed glunk, glunk, glunk <laughs> into the search bar and you would be blown away uh-huh. how many people can you'll read. Right. Oh, yep. that sounds just like what I'm dealing with. And then you get on a mm-hmm. forum, you read a few answers, you, you right. use your head, but you start to get at least an idea. Yeah. And that alone gives you a lot of confidence. How is it that we can have all of this technology... You know, back in the day, you had to read a book to figure out how to do these things, or you had to learn it from somebody. Now, technology is literally at your fingertips everywhere you go, because, I mean, how many of us don't go everywhere without our phone? And we still can't figure these things out. I mean, come on. Well, I think it's because we don't think to look, but also because it's been drilled into our heads that college is the only answer. 
The right. trades are yeah. for people who don't have the smarts mm-hmm. to go to college. That is what was drilled into our heads. At least that's how I heard it. That's how most of my mm-hmm. generation heard it. Right. And it just trickles out. Yeah. And now, thankfully, we're starting to see the trades resurge mm-hmm. a little bit. And we realize the value of that. Yeah. And the thing that I guess I want to end with is just the fun of that. Yeah. And the satisfaction of fixing something that yeah. you thought you had to call somebody for. When my mm-hmm. air conditioner went out last summer and I could I googled what I was experiencing, mm-hmm. all of the symptoms. Right. And I came back with an answer that, mm-hmm. that directed me to the capacitor. Right. And I looked at it. It it demonstrated what they said mm-hmm. a, a blown capacitor would look like. Right. Ordered a new one for 13 bucks and had the whole thing fixed. Yeah. Yes, you got to be careful. Yes, you got to think it through. Yes, you may need to get help, but the answers are out there. Don't be one of those people. What did they say? 25%? Yeah. 40%? Uh-huh. We'll leave a dead light bulb in? Yeah. Again, there's only two ways to screw it. Left or right, you either tighten it or you <laughs> loosen it. it Righty, out, tighty, lefty, You're halfway loosey, there. <laughs> Put the new one in and go the opposite direction, right? right. YouTube's your friend. Yes. Now, all right. That's enough of that. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes just because it's kind of fun to check it out. But right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got a bunch of great ideas to help you organize your garage. That's all ahead. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, before we move on to garages, let's really hit something that we should have mentioned at the end of the last segment. You know, we're going on and on and on about how there's so much information out there for whatever DIY project you're tackling. You know, fixing a washing machine, you know, fixing some plumbing, whatever you've got going. We never mentioned paint. We should, because at RepcoLite.com, yeah, we've got a ton of really good information if you're really just tackling a paint project for the first time. And right now, that is, we're finding a ton of people who are tackling paint projects for the very first time in their lives. And they've got a lot of questions, and we've got answers on the website. You can find videos there, but we've also got that web chat function. I mean, Betsy, Mm -hmm. how many times haven't you walked people through you know, what seem like basic projects to us, but for them, brand new questions in their minds. Oh, yeah. I just walked somebody through a cabinet painting project this morning, actually. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You can get a lot of great information there. You can chat with us on the website. You can email us at info at repcolite.com. We respond very quickly to that. Mm-hmm. You can even stalk us on Facebook. Yes. You know, like the RepcoLite page and send us instant messages and we will respond right away. You can get your answers. And really with painting, it's one of those gateway kind of projects. You tackle a painting project, you get that accomplished, and it's going to give you some confidence to jump into some of the other stuff around your house. Right. And one of those other things would be maybe getting your garage organized. Because yes. a lot of garages <laughs> probably look like mine, don't you think? Oh, I, I would certainly guess so. You've seen mine before, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to base this segment on an article that we found on the Family Handyman website Mm -hmm. called 51 Ways to Organize Your Garage. We're not going to get through all 51, but we're going to kind of bebop and scat over that article and point out a few of the things that we like. Mm -hmm. We're going to put a link to that in the show notes because I really think it's worth checking out because there's so many good options in there. 
Yeah, it's great to be able to go through all those different things and then kind of pick and choose. There's such variety. You can pick and choose what will work for you, depending on what kinds of things you have that you need to organize. Really, it's a great place to get started. A great place to get started. No matter what your garage looks like, there are things in there that will apply to your situation. Right. So if you're looking at your garage and it kind of sounds like what I described as my garage... (laughs) Here's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. The first thing we, we need to do is not start the project right away. A lot of us want to run in and jump in to the project right off the bat. That's how I am. Right. You know, it's Saturday morning. Let's get out saws and build stuff. Mm-hmm. But right now, this is the kind of thing that you need to take a little time and just do a little planning. So organize the garage just a, a little bit. You know, do a basic cleaning and really just figure out what you've got to work with and where your problem areas are. Right. Go through all your stuff. Kind of put it in piles as to, you know, like all the shoes in a pile, all the tools in a pile, rakes and shovels and things like that in a pile, sports equipment. That way you can kind of um, see what it is that you need to store and what types of storage you're looking at getting. Right. So once you've got that idea of what you're dealing with and where your main problem areas are, then you go and you start looking for inspiration online. And you check Mm -hmm. out that article that we talked about. And you'll get a lot of different ideas that might help you with your situation. And one of the most basic things that will help every garage almost instantly is to just make sure that you've got adequate shelving in there. Oh, yeah. And you can do that in any number of ways. We were looking online and there are great inexpensive options at Ikea. You know, I saw a five and a half foot by six and a half foot system that Mm. you would mount on the wall. It's got tracks on the wall and then you put metal shelves on it. They're adjustable. But that five and a half foot by six and a half foot system was 122 bucks. That's yeah. not too bad, not bad to get all. your stuff up off the ground. Wire right. shelving is another way to go that very inexpensive. If yeah. you want, you could build your own. If you've got tools and you can go and get some wood, it's so simple to build shelves out of two-by-fours and some plywood. Right. I really liked on the Family Handyman, they had a shelving system. They were kind of deep but narrow, and it was to put those bins on because everybody stacks bins on top of each other. And then you have to take them all down in order to get to the one at the bottom. So build some shelves for those. That way, everything that's in the bins is enclosed and everybody can't see what's in there. So it doesn't look so messy. (laughs) Right. And there's more that we want to say about the bins because we all make use of them. But there's there's a, a fatal flaw to them. And one of them is the thing that you talked about. We stack them. The other thing is we have no idea what's in them. Right. We'll get to that on the other side. We're going to take a break now and we'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. For generations, Benjamin Moore has been supporting small business owners. People that are struggling right now, including the painters we welcome into our homes. So while you're inside, if you can, hire a painter to do some work outside. Let's keep these hard workers working. Find the right painting contractor for your next paint project at RepcoLite.com. That's RepcoLite.com. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, what did you do during the break? Um, I had a drink of water and I listened to the dogs snore. <laughs> oh, well, 
I spilled coffee. So oh, go figure. <laughs> that's not a surprise for anybody. No. Anyway, we're talking about garage organization, and we were up against a hard break mm-hmm. last time. Yeah. I've always wanted to say that. I hear talk show hosts say that all the time, but we really were up against a hard <laughs> yes, break. Yes, we were. And I wanted to mention that a couple of great YouTube videos to, to see how to quickly build shelving in your garage mm-hmm. with just two by fours and some plywood. Right. We've got those in our show notes for this week's episode. Yeah. If you're going to build shelves, check that out before you start. Right. Now, the storage bins. You brought that up and you talked about building some shelving so you can put the bins on there but not have to stack them right right? yeah because that's a real pain everybody does that we stack them i do it you know i stack them up and then when i need something that's in the bottom bin you got to unstack all of them it's a real pain it's a real pain and normally what you need is something out of the bottom bin that's just how the universe works so don't stack them there's your first thing that'll solve a bunch of problems right off the bat the other thing is to label them yes and that is really important and betsy you and I are on now not opposite viewpoints on this because we both share the same viewpoint. Mm-hmm. We're on opposite ends of the practical application of this, let's say. You do it. Yes. And encourage me to do it with all of our storage bins here. Yes. But I'm not very good at it, am I? <laughs> not particularly. And you know what? Because the bins tend to be so big and maybe you have different types of things in the bins... I always like to use index cards and write the different types of things that are in the bins and then packing tape it to the bin so that I know exactly what I'm looking for. So there's that. That's one way to go. Another way to go would be to buy, you can find these little peel and stick plastic sleeves. Mm -hmm. Yep. Clear plastic, you put it on the bin, and then you can slide your index card or whatever inside of it. Mm -hmm. And that way, if you change what's in it, because that's my problem. I change what's in it, and I don't want to go through the work of making a new card. And so I just figure I'll remember (laughs) that that's no longer plates. Now it's, (laughs) you know, blankets. Uh But I never do. But if you have a card that you can pull out, make a quick note and slide it back in, that might be one way to go. I saw a really over-the-top organizational pattern on this handyman website on this article where they actually created a three ring binder as an index so they would label all of the bins with numbers that was it Mm -hmm. and then you would refer to the index in the binder number one camping gear i understand now but then you have to not lose the binder (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you lose the binder you're toast yep so anyway storage bins use them But label them and keep them in the right order and keep them organized. And the other thing in regards to all of this is to make this work for the people who will have to use it. So if kids are expected to use this system, make sure that the things that they're going to need are accessible to them. You know, one of the things I think about are like um, bike storage systems, which Mm -hmm. can be a huge problem in a garage. There are all kinds of really cool systems out there. There are pulley systems where they'll actually raise your bike right up, pull it right up to the ceiling so you can drive your car right underneath it, you know, and it's a great use of space. But when I watch that, you know, and, and see how it works, they've got basically little hooks that grab the seat of the bike and the handlebars. Well, Mm -hmm. the handlebars, it kind of hooks around the seat of the bike. From the things I'm looking at, you're hoping that your kid really hooked that in well. <laughs> and the last thing I need is my child pulling it up there and having it crash back down on my car. Uh-huh. That would stink. Having yeah. it crash down on the child, that would stink. Oh, yeah. 
pay attention to the people who are going to have to use these. There are a lot of cool things out there, but they're not always as practical as maybe they seem. Right. So check out all the different options out there. What about just getting pegboard up on the wall? Yeah, pegboard is a great way to organize anything that you have, especially the smaller tools that we tend to lose a lot. Um, And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who don't like the look of, you know, the brown or whatever. So um, Scuff-X from Benjamin Moore is a really great paint. We actually did some for a show. We painted our board and man, it holds up. And it looks great. Right. We used a 3 16 inch nap roller cover. It's a very short napped roller cover. And that means we're not putting on tons of paint. And so we didn't get any drips into all the open holes in the pegboard. I was expecting that we would have a a ton of clean out to do on all those little Mm -hmm. holes. Or we just had to accept the fact that it was going to look a little messy. But we didn't get any of that. No, just don't load the roller cover with paint. You know, go a little bit lighter on it. Do multiple light coats. And then you won't have that problem of it dripping through the holes. The Scuff-X was great. Like Betsy said, it holds up so well. I mean, when you're mm-hmm. hanging your tools on there, it's going to look great for a long time. It's going to be very functional. And you yep. can get rid of that brown and replace it with any color you want. You can get any Benjamin Moore color. Mm-hmm. Just use that 3 right. inch nap roller cover. That'll help you along the way. What about shoes, Betsy? That's another one. For me, that's probably the big thing. I've got bikes that I don't know what to do with because we've got five kids and each one seems to have two bikes. Right. But I've also got shoes. And it seems like each person in my family has 400 (laughs) pairs of shoes. How do you organize that and bring it together? It depends on how many different types you have. I mean, boots, obviously, you know, tall boots, rubber boots need a lot more space because they're so tall. So you kind of have to assess what you've got going. You know, they have those hanging over the door things that you could put shoes in, but you could hang it on a wall instead, just tack it up there. You can do all sorts of different shelving units. You know, they're Mm -hmm. infinitely configurable. You just kind of have to see what's going on and maybe, you know, consider throwing out some shoes. (laughs) I think that's a big part of it. The seeing what's going on is a big deal because I have the bookcases and then I put extra shelves in between each shelf so that mm-hmm. I could really double up on the shoes. Right. It all fit. I think my problem is lighting. Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that it's just not well lit enough for the kids to find their shoes. Right. And so they tend to not even want to put them there. They just put them on the ground. Mm-hmm. It starts right by the door. And then before long, everybody's piled up their shoes by the door. And then there's a huge mess. Right. But if I would just get better lighting. So that is really that this whole concept is not just about getting a shelving unit in place. Right. It's not just about getting a bunch of bins. It's not just about hanging pegboard on the wall. It's about creating a system that will work for your family. Mm-hmm. It's about figuring out why you guys can't work with a system if you can't. Right. You know, like in my instance, it's the lighting. Mm-hmm. If I think if I fix that, I'm going to be a long way towards getting the shoe problem fixed. Right. If I find a way to store the bikes where the kids can get them and put them away easily, I think we're a long way towards getting there. Right. One last thing, very quickly, painting the garage is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that you need to have exterior paint to do that. You don't. No. Interior paint is what we'd recommend for that. And Scuff-X is a great option. Now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's Murder Hornet time. And I'm very excited 
to learn about the next horrible thing coming our way. <laughs> yes. That's next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, it's time for the Murder Hornets, and I've got to tell you, I've been excited about them ever since I heard they existed, and of course, what year for them to arrive in, but 2020. Of course. Yeah, this is something that just recently came to my attention. All of a sudden, I, some, I don't know, BBC or some news site had this thing about Murder Hornets, and I'm like, what the heck are those? I've never heard of them before, (laughs) and before I knew it, in that same day, it just blew up. Everybody I talked to, everything I heard, everyone's talking about these murder hornets. And so I thought that we should call in the expert today. So we've got David Pop from Rose Pest Solutions on the phone with us. Yes, we are social distancing this <laughs> phone call. <laughs> David, thanks for being on the line with us today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad to be here. All right. Now, first, I want to real quick start with the fact that you guys are considered an essential business, correct? So mm-hmm. people have a problem, they could still call you, right? Absolutely. The uh, the rodents and the insects do not read the news. It's business as usual. <laughs> all right. Well, good, because I'm sure that, you know, especially with all of this happening in the news, people might be a little concerned. And if mm-hmm. they see something suspicious, they might want to call you. So I guess let's get to these murder hornets. What is the deal with them? Where have they come from? Why are we just now hearing about them? Well, the the Asian giant hornet is it is an amazing animal. It's um, one of our entomologists uh, uh, in our company titles it the uh, the apex predator. Um, this thing is amazing. Obviously, it's it, with its namesake. It's it's uh, all around Asia, and mm-hmm. they don't really know exactly how it hitched a ride, uh, but it did not go by flight. Uh, but it did hitch a ride to, you know, to land in, uh, you know, Washington State and mm-hmm. also in uh, British Columbia. Uh, but this 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 guy is an amazing. And, yeah, you could you could do a YouTube search on this and just see what kind of carnage these things uh, actually uh, uh, produce. It's a um, it's about five times the size of an average hornet. And oh, it's very, goodness. very robust. Yeah. When you, if you, you see one of these guys. You're in trouble. That's for sure. Um, you probably and, hear them before you even see them, well, right? Yeah. Well, sound like an F-14 flying by. That, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, great. And and they the, the thing about this guy is that he has a quarter-inch stinger, a quarter-inch oh. long stinger. That's huge. Um, and they've been, they've been responsible for 40 to 50 deaths over in Asia per year. Um, but the thing about them is they, they do have a venom that can actually uh, kill a human, but there has to be multiple stings. If, if one stings you, you're going to be in some serious pain, uh, mm-hmm. but if it needs multiple stings. So uh, they would definitely have to um, um, you know, swarm you, and that's, that's, that's their style. Oh, that, I was just going to ask that. Do they swarm? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, one of the things that they do and, and that, the, that you'll see a lot on, on YouTube, for instance, is they, they actually send out a, a, a gang of about 30 uh, of these apex predators. And they're looking for, for uh, 
uh, honeybee colonies. Oh. And the the thing about them is is that they don't just go after honeybees. They they'll go after and rip up praying mantises, any other insect. Uh, it's amazing what these guys. They really have uh, nobody that's going to affect them. Um, they they uh, actually can decimate a, a colony of of honeybees in a matter of hours. And you're you're talking upwards of thirty thousand worker bees that can be destroyed by thirty hornets in just a matter of a few hours. Wow. And they don't just do it by, uh, uh, they, they actually have powerful mandibles and they're known for severing the heads of these poor honeybees. <gasps> um, so they'll go in there, they'll sting them, they'll sever their heads and it's nonstop carnage. Actually, if, if you look at some of the things that like, for instance, that are on National Geographic, they sh show how some of these hornets are actually, they're dead tired. And they, the other hornets will come in and actually feed them a liquid to get that energy. They, they exude so much energy going after this colony. Um, wow. Because they're not interested in the, the bee itself. They're interested in the larva and the pupae. That, oh. is, the, that is the treasure that they, they actually uh, go after. So, um, yeah. That's a huge problem then. If they're going in and killing all of our honeybees, that can't be good for mm -hmm. pollination of our crops and things like that. Exactly. That's that's the main concern that that uh, uh, we have uh, is, is because, you know, we had a concern with honeybees in, a few years ago. Right. Uh, and there's a big concern because that's a big part of our food supply. And um, the, the concern is, is that they'll go in and, and decimate colonies. Well, we're not even sure right now if they're going to be able to make it over in the United States. They may okay. make it. They may not make it. It's it's really difficult to say. But with any kind of an invasive pest like that, to to come from Washington State all the way over to the Great Lakes area, you're talking about decades. There's mm -hmm. no real big concern in, in uh, uh, the Great Lakes area over this because, um, you know, there, there also may be, you know, we may have plans to be able to eradicate them over here. Um, right. Hopefully, you know, there's really, like I said, there's really nothing out there uh, that can take these guys out right now. But one interesting thing is the the Japanese honeybee itself, uh, another mm -hmm. phenomenal uh, insect. Um, they actually have a defense mechanism in them to to where they will um, um, defend their colony. They can't take them out, but mm -hmm. what will happen is one of those scouts will land on their 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 hive, start putting pheromones all over the hives to to have the the other uh, uh, gang members, if you will, uh, follow suit. Well, the honeybees actually lure them in. They'll, they'll lure that one scout, uh, a scout into the colony. And then just in a matter of seconds, about 100 or so um, honeybees swarm it and just oh. cover it. Increased rate. This is phenomenal because it'll, they'll actually increase the temperature to 117 degrees. Wow. It's lethal for the hornet inside there at 115 degrees. And, and the bees have an actual tolerance of 118. So one degree wow. more, and those other honeybees will actually start dying. But it kills the scout. And then what wow. happens then is they try to remove that pheromone in, in there. And sometimes they make it, and sometimes they don't. Uh, but that's a defense mechanism that they have. Now, our honeybees over here do not do not have. So that huh. there's a concern of that. Um, but yeah, quite quite interesting. My goodness. We're in the studio. Well, actually, we're not in the studio. We're on the phone with <laughs> David Pop, district manager from Rose Pest Solutions, talking about murder hornets. They sound like real jerks. 
And <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> my goodness. Now, how many, you know, you said that we have some in Washington, or at least that's where they landed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many are we talking? Just a few? Uh, yeah, they don't, they don't know. They, I, knew, I do know that they're setting up, they set up traps, lure traps to figure out um, what is over there. In, in a lot of times, um, and I, and I got to say this because I know uh, we're, we're going to get calls that this summer. I just, I just know it will get calls mm-hmm. from, from folks misidentifying these things. There's one, there's one uh, it has its namesake practically. It's called a cicada killer. And mm-hmm. these animals are very large. They're not aggressive, and they certainly don't do what these guys do. Uh, but over there in the Washington State, they've got to sift through that. And that's why it's important that if, if, you know that they, um, the people in those areas get a hold of the Department of Ag and, and say, hey, this, do we have one here? Um, so they okay. don't really know the numbers yet. But I do believe, I think it was in December of last year where they, they first noticed them. All right. Now, one quick question, David. Um, a couple of years ago, I took the kids to a baseball field and we're playing on the gravel on the infield. And there was a great big mm-hmm. hole in the ground and out of it came the biggest. It looked like one of these murder hornets. I mean, it was a huge yeah. thing. What was that? Is mm-hmm. that the cicada killer? More, more, yeah, more than likely it was the eastern cicada killer. Uh, they, Like I said, they're, they're not that aggressive, but they, they do make a real loud noise. They sound like an F-14 as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I saw one a couple years ago, and they're terrifying looking because they look a little bit like a hornet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they they are. <laughs> and and the, 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 what they really do is they just cause a lot of damage on the yards because sometimes they'll they're a solitary pest, but there's multiple uh, areas where they'll they'll actually um, uh, dig the hole, if you will. What it looks like is it looks like a very large ant hill that you put mm-hmm. your finger in the hole. And raised it up, and that's just their flight path where they've come in and they've uh, moved the sand around in that area. But they do some damage in that regard, but they're not that dangerous. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, David, we're about at the end of this segment. Uh, if anyone needs to get a hold of Rose Pest for anything, although it may not be these giant murder hornets, maybe they have some other pest problem, you know, the stink bugs that I always like to talk about or mice Mm -hmm. or chipmunks or birds or something. How do they best get in contact with you guys? The easiest way to do it is is to do it by uh, phone. 800-966-ROSE. They'll get right to to us and uh, we'll be able to help help anybody out. All right. Super. David Pop from Rose Pest Solutions. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you. And Betsy, that's going to do it. Another episode in the books. If you want to hear it again, you can find it online at RepcoLight.com. Right. And while you're there, feel free to chat with us. And we also have a new function on the website. You can actually shop for paint and supplies online at RepcoLight.com now. And if you don't happen to see what you're looking for when you're on there, just hop over the chat function and let us know and we'll help you find what you're looking for. Exactly. We're closed on Saturdays still. We're hoping to be reopened soon. Right now, we're still closed on Saturdays. But other than that, things are getting back to normal. Still no foot traffic in the stores. But you can do online orders, you can do phone orders, and pick it up curbside. Now, before we wrap everything up, we want to highlight that we're going to do a bonus segment. If you listen to the podcast, you can catch that bonus segment. And it's funny. 
it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And we also, in the last little bit, want to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. Because exactly. that's coming up tomorrow. Yes, it is. So if you forgot to buy stuff, you got a little bit of time. <laughs> Get going. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Betsy Thompson. Remember, if you're about to lose your DIY sanity, we can help you fix that crazy. And whether you're chasing off murder hornets, plunging toilets, or painting something at home, the Repcolite Home Improvement Show is here to help. I will help them with the painting. You can help them with the rest. I'm good bait for the murder hornets. Uh-huh. Thanks for listening. Well, Betsy, we promised a bonus segment, and I think this one's going to be a good one. Um, yes, if you're talking about the podcast that I sent you to listen to because I could not stop laughing, you are correct. Yeah, see, I think this is great. Everybody's sitting around doing, you know, internet stuff and whatnot, and I know a lot of people have been checking out podcasts. We've seen ours increase in listeners, and that's always nice, Mm -hmm. and we thought, you know, let's just highlight a few of the really great ones out there. Some of the the podcasts that you just absolutely have to tune in and check out. And you sent me one. It was an episode of This American Life, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, it was a an episode on fiascos. And they had, <laughs> I think it was yeah. four, right? Four fiascos? Yeah, they usually do. They call them acts. So usually they do act one, act two, act three, act four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so each one is a separate story. That's not always the way they run it, but generally it's four separate stories or things circling around the same topic. And sure. this one was all about different fiascos that have happened. And I think, I think I've heard them before. So it may yep. have actually been a rerun of I another th- time, but I think they compiled them into one. Uh, fiasco special. They were, they had aired at other times, but yeah, we'll put a link to the podcast in the show notes, but oh my goodness, I have been a part of fiascos. I have (laughs) caused fiascos. And so the pain that these people were feeling, I, I really, really can relate. The, the first Uh one, we won't go into them all because the the fun of it is going to be listening to it. Right. But the first one revolves around a play. We're absolutely, I think, and it was a a kid's play, right, at a school? Yeah, it was like a middle school or a high school, I want to say. And they were doing a production of Peter Pan, (laughs) but anything that could go wrong did go wrong. And the longer the story goes, the more you think, oh, my goodness, what else could happen? And then something else does happen. Yeah, (laughs) you think it can't get worse, and then it does. It, It started with my favorite part where... You know how Peter Pan comes into the little bedroom and he sprinkles fairy dust on all the kids. And the guy telling the story says, you know, they were supposed to just kind of spring up out of their beds and and be able to fly. Right. And they had these ropes and pulley systems on. And he said, instead of just a nice, gentle easing out of the bed, he said they (laughs) shot like rockets (laughs) because the people controlling the ropes weren't familiar with it. And eventually yeah. the kids are flying around the room, banging into the furniture that's there. People are in the audience, un- completely unsure what to do. So the right. Peter Pan one is really funny. I liked that it one. Yes. The next one was was really good. And that's the one that if we had had more time, we would have started with that with David Pop. Because yeah. it's really right up his alley. Oh, it certainly is. It's all about some police officers who got called out to a house for a sound in someone's attic. They didn't actually know what they were getting called out for. 
but once they got to the door, the gentleman there, the homeowner said, you know, my wife and I are, you know, trying to have this nice evening at home. And the guy is standing there in his silk monogram pajamas, I might add. And mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, you know, we keep hearing this noise up in the attic. There is something up there. And the police say, oh, well, you know, that's not we have some numbers of people you can call. That's not something that we do. And just then the absolutely drop dead gorgeous wife comes around the door. And of course, the police officers say, well, never mind. We'll go take a look for you. We will <laughs> save the day. And so there they, it begins. Yeah. So they go up there. They pull down, you know, the little ladder thing that folds down from the ceiling to go up into an attic. and. The one police officer goes up there with his trusty flashlight and he looks over the edge with his partner close on his heels. And he said when he popped his head through the hole, here stands the squirrel on its hind legs. And he said from his vantage point, it looked like Godzilla. And he (laughs) instantly drops his flashlight. He falls off the ladder, flattens his partner. The flashlight hits the homeowner in the head, breaking his nose and making him bleed all over. And the squirrel comes jumping down the ladder and proceeds to run through the house. And that's just the beginning. It, it gets way worse. In the end, I think they said they caused almost $3,000 worth of damage yeah. in less than five minutes. Because in some a things, brand new house, he yeah, said. He said it was some, all new furnishings and a brand new house that they Yeah, they said up. it still smelled like paint. When it was yeah. done, it didn't. It smelled like burnt squirrel. But I'll not tell you how that happens because that's absolutely unbelievable. You got to check yeah. it out. The other one is, I think the third one is really funny, too, with the comedian who goes to the um, yes. charity golf event. That one is extremely funny and well told. So That's we'll because put a link. it seems like something you would do. Well, it does. And it did remind me of n- numerous fe- uh-huh. I guess I hesitate to say that I'm I'm a part of fiascos. I have been a part well. of really bad, you know, momentary things, you know, where one thing has gone wrong really badly. Like but you not, shave off your eyebrows? Yes, that's a, like a one and out. You know, I try to just do a little trimming and I end up shaving the whole thing off. That's uh-huh. that's that's not a fiasco. It's just a really bad mistake. I did think of one fiasco, though, that I was a part of, and I orchestrated the entire thing. And it was in chemistry in my sophomore oh. year at Grand Valley. I did not want to take chemistry, but I had to for gen ed. And mm-hmm. so we're sitting in class one of the first days that we're going to do a lab. And the professor says, all right, everybody's got to pick a lab partner. And just like elementary school, my goodness, everybody picks somebody and there. I am, you know, right. I, I, unpicked. I'm the unpicked kid. And this one, yeah, this girl looks at me and she also didn't have a partner. And she said, well, I guess it's you. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I have not done anything stupid yet. I don't know why nobody wanted me. Well, yeah. (laughs) So I said, yeah, you know, we'll be good. And the thing is, I get nervous. You know, I get very nervous around girls. (laughs) It was, it was. Nothing has changed. (laughs) (laughs) It was my utter weakness. And so uh-huh. we start. And I remember we had to we had a salt uh, solution that we had to boil the water off, you know, and then get the salt on the crystal, you know, on the side of the beaker and then weigh the beaker. And and what right. we were trying to determine is how much salt leaves, you know, does it stay in the water or do you right. lose some when it dissolves in the water? You know, that's the whole uh-huh. experiment. Well, anyway, right. I get the Bunsen burner out 
and I start that and I get fidgety and I get nervous. And so I start doing goofy things or quick things. I wasn't uh-huh. being silly, but I move quickly. You've seen me do this. Yep. And people get hurt because I'm not thinking. Anyway, I knock the burner over right <gasps> after I lit it. Yep. Burner falls mm-hmm. over on the counter on the side and ignites her notes for, oh. yeah, for this particular assignment. They're on fire. So she beats them out immediately and gives right. me those, the stare of death. And I just kind of <laughs> laughed and, and I put the burner up straight and I started boiling the water. Well, time started going on and other things went wrong that slowed us down that I caused. Mm-hmm. But eventually of it course. got to the point where we're, we're really up against the clock here and we've got to get this thing going. Uh, everybody else is weighing it and everybody else is because the scales are on the other side of the room. So they got to carry it over there. Everybody else is doing that. We're still here trying to boil this water off because I had that problem in the beginning. Uh-huh. Anyway, the minute that water got boiled out of that beaker, I grabbed the little tongs that I was supposed to use. And again, oh, remember, no. the whole point is to preserve all of the salt crystals that are in this beaker and weigh it yep. and see once what it, what it was different from when we began. I grab the tongs and the thing shoots out of the tongs across the counter. It's spinning across the counter, this blazingly hot beaker spinning across the counter with all our salt crystals. And she's going, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. She just keeps saying that. And I said, we're fine. And then I grabbed it with my hands, not oh. remembering how hot it was. Yes. So now it's burning my hand. So I take off at a full run across the room and I'm banging into people. I'm knocking people over because the thing hurts, Betsy. It well, hurts. I'm taking the pain for science and I throw it on the scale, get my weight, record it, dump the beaker, you know, I throw it, cooled it up in the, in the sink or whatever I did. I remember I destroyed the salt crystals at that point because I didn't need them mm-hmm. anymore. Right. So right. I walked back to the girl with the notes and I said, I've got everything. We're good. And right as I said that, the teacher says, the professor says, remember, never weigh the beaker when it's hot because it's going to give you a false reading. And the girl looks at me and just shakes her head. And uh-huh. all of our numbers, every single thing I touched in that class blew up in my face that one single day. Yep, It was truly a fiasco. I was burned. I was hurt. I was embarrassed beyond belief. Well, she told me she never wanted to work with me again. <laughs> College uh-huh. kids can be so cruel. Well, you know, that reminds me when I was in high school, they're one of my really good friends. We were ones who liked to play with fire like you were doing, except we intentionally did it, not accidentally. <gasps> and we loved to make smoke bombs. You know, I forget how mm-hmm. how you make them with the sugar and blah, blah, blah. So... We had a bunch of them and we had just made them. They were sitting on top of a chest freezer and somebody went to open the chest freezer and the cups that we had the mixture in, which is, you know, like liquid sugar. So it's scalding hot. Right. Um, One of my friends sticks his hand out to catch the things. The sugar, the crystal or the melted sugar goes all over his hand. He started screaming. And as he wiped his hand to try to get the sugar off. Oh, this is going to be gross, isn't it? With it. Oh, see, that's that's not even a little bit funny. It was the most horrible thing. Talk about a fiasco. Holy (laughs) smokes. I'm pretty sure he had to have skin grafts and all that. 
It oh. was, I felt so bad. And it was just one of those spur of the moment fiasco things where the wrong thing's happening. You try to save it and it just ends up a complete disaster. I will never forget yeah. that. He oh. spent months with his hand wrapped up. <laughs> well, that's terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. In honor I've never of mothers, seen anything like it. <laughs> that, that is truly, <laughs> truly really gross. Horrific. And yeah, unfortunate yeah. in <laughs> the highest possible degree. In right. honor of Mother's Day, I don't think I'd call this a fiasco either, but it, it was a similar type thing where a really bad decision that my mm -hmm. mom made. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, we were at a little, I think at that point, we went to a little Baptist church. It was a Reformed church. And uh very small number of people there, you know, maybe 100 and 150 families, let's say. Mm -hmm. yes. And I remember we're sitting there one summer Sunday and the littlest, oldest lady in the entire congregation is sitting right in front of us. I mean, the littlest, oldest lady, you know, mm -hmm. imagine right. the littlest, frailest little old lady you could imagine and then okay. make her older and frailer. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting close to this lady. So she's sitting in front of us. She's got her little old lady hat on and, you know, just her nice little coat with the great big collar, the little and everything is great. She's having a great time. She's sitting directly in front of the in front of us in the pew. And in the midst of the sermon, a spider descends from the ceiling right onto this lady's shoulder. Well, my mom absolutely is a bug freak, you know, literally a bug freak. So. I don't, I don't know how she stayed calm for as long as she did, but she stayed calm for a slight amount of time. But the spider started crawling a little bit closer to this oh. lady's neckline on her shirt. And mom couldn't take it anymore. I didn't even know the spider was there. You know, I'm putting this all together later. All I know right. as a kid is I'm sitting there thinking, how much longer can this go on? And then I see motion out of, out of the, you know, the, the periphery here and mom. Right is like a ninja. She is smashing this lady as hard as she can with her hands and a bulletin. And she just keeps hitting her over and over and over again. And the lady's slumping forward and her hat is sliding off of her head. And people are looking and they're trying to restrain mom a little bit or thinking about restraining mom. Utter chaos. Nobody saw the spider. And I don't know if mom smashed it into oblivion or if it escaped. But there was no body to prove it all later. <laughs> It was just this beating that happened right in the middle of church. And so then when it was all thought that your mom was just beating up some yes. poor little old lady minding her own yes. business in church. In fact, I know that's what they were thinking, because later <laughs> when we were having coffee and donuts, uh -huh. my friend comes up who that was his grandma. And he says, what in the world? Why was your mom beating up grandma in church? <laughs> I don't know. You try living with her once. That's how she is. You never know what she's going to do. Oh, my goodness. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. Wow. Moms fill us with really memories nice. like that, don't they? That's a good uh, memory. The lady survived and, and it made her stronger. I can't remember my mom beating anybody in church with a bulletin. I'm sorry. but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Just imagine. Thankfully, Mom didn't have anything, you know, beefier than a bulletin. <laughs> Luckily, she didn't use a hymnal. Yeah, she could be serving time if yeah. that were the case. Right. Anyway, oh, lots of great memories from mothers. Uh -huh. Not so great memories from fiascos, but they're all fun. Definitely check out that link in the show notes and listen to those fiascos. And next week, if we can find 
another couple of podcasts that are worth talking about. We'll let you know about those too, won't we? Of course. Of course we will. All right. Yeah, that's it. Have a great weekend. 